Cargo Cult is a production of Radio Nemo West. Cargo Cult is all about the movies, books, music, and moments that help shape the lifestyle of not only the trucking industry, but also the American obsession with being on the move. What if something just like jumps out in front of you and you have to stop? Don't. What was that? A Mazda. Host Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn engage in a wild, freeform discussion with folks from both the transportation and entertainment worlds. I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a show that's all about the journey. So far, we're doing fine. Hadn't got a call. And now your hosts, Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn. Some fight for money. Some fight for glory. He's fighting for his son's love. It's 1987's Over the Top. This is a great Sammy Hagar singing, winner takes it all. Oh, man, I, I really do feel just transported back to 1987, Jimmy Mack. This really is Big Mac hamburger oh, filmmaking. Just a lot of I cheese. Mean, I mean, but basically, if you look at Cobra, if you look at um, not just Over the Top, but uh, Rambo, Rocky, not Rocky. Rocky's a wonderful movie. Rocky two. Rocky three, big time, and Rocky four, completely over the top. Speaking about over the top, there's a formula here of we have to have an action montage of people training. Sure, uh, we have to have some big hit song that actually seems to encapsulate the entire simplicity of the plot. Yeah, I keep thinking about like and there are so, two in this one. Weirdly, I know, you know and there, I keep there's thinking not about, only Kenny Loggins, but we got to get Sammy Hagar in there because he's got the rough voice. And I keep thinking about Survivor too. You know, from all those um, Rocky movies and the Burning Heart. Right, you know, right, Eye right. of the Tiger. Sure, you know, yeah. I mean, just absolutely cheese dick stuff. I mean, this is the land of and a thousand sometimes cheese dicks. That's fantastic, and in other ways, it's just I had to watch this movie in like fifteen minute increments. Uh, other than that, I ju- uh, this movie oh, feels just, so whew. cynical. This movie feels so incredibly cynical, and it's and and you know what else was really kind of crazy? But we're talking about over the top, by the way. Nineteen eighty seven with Sly Stallone, George, uh, and I thought it was Cosmatis who, of course, directed the Rambo. No, movie. no, no, no. It's this not. is it's, this is Minim Golan who you know directed some of the later sequels of the Death Wish with Charles Bronson, and also the one and only Superman four. Quest for Peace, you know, the greatest of all of them, apparently. Golan Globus, oh. by the way, is the name of um, their production company, right? And they often work right. through Canon Productions. Um, it This movie feels so incredibly cynical to me. And, and something that really hit me about this movie, Over the Top, that really made me even sadder on the second time through, Stallone's pretty good in it, actually. I he's, always forget he's not, what... He's very earnest. I mean, he's very present I in the movie. I always forget what but, a wonderful oof. actor he is and how I just feel like... And here's the thing. I've come to really admire him, and especially the later incarnation of him sure, in regards yeah, yeah, to the yeah. movies he's done. Right. I think he is great in Creed. He is terrific in Copland. And I think Copland is a turning point for him because it gets him back to being an actor again. Right, right, um, right But right. like you look at him like in Rhinestone... 
a movie we will not talk about. Maybe we will. Um, <laughs> I, I will tell you guys right now, I always, you know, we, we've gotten so used to kind of him being the butt of a joke because of the movies, because of his control of the movies. And in many ways, you can make a case a lot of the way these movies get made is they're made for foreign markets. They're made incredibly cheap. They all fall. I mean, they all fall into that hour and 25, hour, 35, hour, 40 minute kind of formula. This was chopped up, made to be money. It's his you know, literally. It, it is Stallone has arms. Let's put him in an arm wrestling movie. And unlike Convoy, what I will say is that the, his son, even though the son talks about his dietary stuff, we're even we're going all over the place here. But the son actually acknowledges that dad's in good shape. Oh, I mean, totally. there's an Absolutely. There isn't like that kind the of. The son's played by David Mendenhall, by yeah, the way. David Mendenhall, who we actually are working out to try to see if we can get on the show at yeah. some point. We're really excited about that. And I thought what we would do here is, you know, when we get David on, we're going to talk more about David's career, a little bit about making the movie. But I want to kind of really talk to David about being David. I thought we'd talk about the movie sure. today without him here, and that way, you yeah, know, that's this not is fun. a one-off. We, this, we'd this like is... to cover this movie because we're talking about allies. I mean, this is a father who has not been present in his son's life, and he's gone to military school uh, to pick up his son because his his ex is dying. And, you know, the, the, the father played by Robert Loggio or the, the father of the dying daughter, you know, he's just, he's great in the movie because he's just doing his voice. He's just doing the character that he plays through Robert Loggia. Have of you it, seen that you know? Saturday morning, there's oh. a Saturday morning candy commercial or, Robert, or a breakfast bite thing where Robert Loggia, <laughs> it's a kid's commercial. There oh. is this kid's commercial and maybe Sam can look it up for us where Robert Loggia plays himself in this kid's commercial where the kids at the table go, oh, it's it's famous actor Robert Loja. Eat your breakfast, kids. It's like crazy. <laughs> if you could possibly it, find that. And it nices him out? It, 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 it's no, him before it, he gets into no, this? Like, no, no. It's oh, like him, it's him playing like a- How much uh, is it going to take to get you out of here? I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> so the basic premise here is that uh, Sly Stallone plays a trucker by the name of Lincoln Hawk. Oh, such um, a great name. And it is, it is and a great Another name. independent trucker, you know, another, owns his own truck, uh, is definitely doing it. You know? It, it, you know, and the other thing is, too, boy, they're really careful about it, though, in this movie. They don't show you what his lifestyle is like. Do you notice that? Not so much other than the fact that he's got, like, a pulley system and plates so he can work out where his arm wrestling live? arm in the... Where does he live? Uh, let's see. It's L.A., right? Is no, it? no, 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 no. Because he's he picks the kid up, and it's an over... It's through the West. I you know, I don't know. There's where a he suggestion lives. that he lives in Oregon. There's a suggestion he Is lives there? in Oregon. But it's weird because, and I think that the movie really does a lot of cheating here in regards to trucking. I mean, he's culture. a long haul trucker, right? And because at the very beginning, he's got a flatbed and he's hauling huge machinery. What kind of trucker is it that that? That he's an over-the-road kind of, trucker. Right, but that massive amount of machinery, is, the, is that a specific kind of heavy license? Hauler. That's a heavy oh, hauler. Okay, so um, he definitely is a heavy hauler. He's got the plates in the back. He's working out his arm wrestling technique. But he picks up different he's trailers. Hauling. He's yeah, picking yeah, up different yeah, yeah, trailers yeah. of different kind of loads and all that kind of stuff. And they really, they're, they're clever in this way in the sense that they really never get into the nuts and bolts of his business model. No, but they show off the truck like it is this but the, shining steed. But the problem is that by not showing off his business model, they're able to kind of elide some stuff. Because, in fact, if he's doing the hmm. work that he's doing, and I'd love our listeners to comment uh, at Facebook, uh, not at Facebook, on weekends at radionemo.com, maybe correct us here. He's actually doing okay for himself. He seems to be. He makes yeah. a good living. Yeah. If, if he's an independent operator and he's doing what he's doing and we're just after deregulation, he should be doing okay. I mean, he really is the kind of guy... Given the fact that he doesn't drink, he doesn't do drugs, he's in yeah. incredible health. He seems pretty they straight They have to really play some games here to make him 
part of the dispossessed. It's a real, and there's something about this movie that really bugged me in the second time I watched through it. Something that just made me nuts in the sense of the contempt that the men and women at the military academy when he arrives there. What's he doing here? Who's he? Look away. Oh, honey, if you look at him too long, you'll become an over-the-road trucker. I mean, there's a real sense of that. Right, right, right. I'm, maybe it was the case back in the 80s, but I don't remember people having that much contempt for truckers back then. I mean, they look at him like he's... And by like the way... Like he's trash. Other, well, and, and, and there's literally a line where he's like, uh, where David Mendenhall talking to his father, like the average adult has the intelligence of a 15-year-old. You being a trucker must be, what, 13? Unless you've got good genetics and <laughs> <Yeah>. maybe 14. <laughs> and it's it just... It is nice having such an intellectual in the cab with me, Michael. And it takes everybody, <laughs> except for the kid, five minutes to figure out that it's like, I wrote you all the time. And the kid doesn't even ask about that. It's like, you know, does it ever occur to you the moment your father, who seems like a really sweet man, tells you, I wrote you for every birthday, I yeah. must have sent you a hundred letters. The kid goes, well, why didn't I get those letters? Yeah. Well, that's Robert Loggia's fault. I know. <laughs> Who's well, playing and, his granddad. And we you see know? that at the end of the movie when he finds the cache of letters. Sure. But it's like, dude, yeah, it never yeah, yeah, occurred yeah. to you, genius, that maybe the, they were keeping you away from your dad? And, and we I mean, it's a, it's a definite device, the whole like father out of nowhere comes to you know, grab the sun and, you know, we're obviously going to be at odds to begin with, but it just quickly goes into, you know, we've got these little personality things. Oh, he runs out into traffic and Stallone has to go and tackle him. You know, there and are all sorts of reasons that, well, uh, like, and then he's got to build up his confidence and show that like, Hey, if I rip off the sleeves to your military jacket, you'll become a real man, you know, you know and arm wrestle like me and you can really show these people. Well, and the elision of information, man. you know, the, the omission of information that the, you know, they, they try to get away with things by simply not addressing it at all in the sense that it's like the, the, the wife or his ex-wife, the mother of their son, right. obviously has a decent relationship with him enough Seems to kind like of it. suggest that. Right. So at what point would they not have spoken where he's like, is, is my son, is, is he getting the letters? Sure. I mean, there's yeah, just a right, lot right, to right. suggest here that's really- Apparently the writer, David uh, Engelbach, cried. When he saw the movie, I mean, what they had done with the script overall, Stallone ended up not liking the movie, feeling like it was really just edited to hell and and that the spirit that he thought he brought to it just wasn't there. You know, it, it, it's made into this. I mean, he spends a lot of time glistening in this movie. They definitely oil him down while and it's a weird trick. If you oil up the 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 star. He'll look like he's doing the real righteous work and everybody else is weirdly dry or, or has natural sweat to them. It looks really, really strange. And apparently, and this is something that uh, I'm trying to envision this, they wanted Don Johnson for this movie originally, not Stallone. It wasn't written as like a Stallone device, but Don Johnson, in some ways, I'm kind of like, works better. I might have liked that movie. I I might have liked that movie well, more. I, I think Don could have brought it into a, a, a bit more of a, a grounded nature. You don't that, get uh, the problem. Let's have an honest conversation about Sylvester Stallone because I think one of the greatest mistakes ever made all the time was um, giving Stallone that Academy Award for um, Best Original Screenplay. No, he doesn't win it. He, he's nominated for it. But giving him that nomination for Best Original Screenplay in 76. Because remember, uh, what wins what wins deserves to win. It's Patty Chayefsky's remarkable script for Network. 
ends up winning in 76. But I think that's- I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And the thing is, and this is not me talking about monkeys in a room producing Shakespeare, because I mean, Stallone is a very erudite man, very brilliant, understands story structure, really has a good sense of it. But this is 11 years later into the planet Hollywood genesis. But Rocky had really been about development. Remember, he has years to develop Rocky as a screenplay. And there is something about Stallone where it's just one of these things where it becomes about formula. And I think- if you've never seen Fist, you really should. Uh, Norman Jewison directed a film called Fist. Of course, he who directed Moonstruck and The Russians Are Coming with Stallone essentially as a knockoff on Jimmy Hoffa. And it's a pretty darn good movie, but it's a near miss. And it's Stallone's real attempt to kind of break out of the Rocky sort of model and to kind of get into serious acting. And he doesn't quite get there. It doesn't quite make it. And I feel like from that point on, Stallone is like, there's a lot of money to be made by making an hour and a half films where I flex some muscle, shoot some bad guys, beat up some tough dudes, and then laugh my way to the bank. I would actually say that's the director's idea and that Stallone signs up for it because, well, he's a movie star at this point. This is what you do. You know, you've got the arms to be able to stand up to the rest of these people. In the arm wrestling movie, because actually this is apparently based on loosely some real events. There was a guy named John, I'm going to get this wrong, B-R-Z-E-N-K, Bersnick, uh, who who won the trucker class of the actual over-the-top competition. And he won the big Volvo at the end. He won like, you know, $200,000 or something. And he apparently uh, toured around in the truck to advertise the movie. So, I mean, it's all being tied into this, what I think is the genesis of Planet Hollywood with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, and, and Sly Stallone. I mean, they've got bills to pay. They've got restaurants to open. This is why you make those movies. Well, you and know? I will say this, too. It's, that- it's been, what, 10 years since he got that nomination for Rocky? Yeah. So, you know, at this point, you are the star. You've got the arms to hold it up. Well, know? it's interesting, too, because those three men, Schwarzenegger, Willis, and Stallone, and that and that's coming. They're not quite there yet. We're not quite at Planet Hollywood yet. That's yeah, the next, it, it, it's, it's beginning we're to on gel. The cusp they're, they're, they're on their way from those independent movies we're like Commando. One, we're one, and, yeah, we're yeah. one year away from one of my favorite. God, what a great thing. I remember this when Die Hard first opened. Yeah. Um, Die Hard is one of those movies that d- does something that movies don't do hardly anymore, which is its second and third weekend box office totals were higher than its first weekend box office total. I remember that there was a full page ad in the Times Picayune in New Orleans of in the entertainment living section of the silhouette of a moviegoer being blown backwards with their popcorn flying up. And it said, like, you know, last weekend, 15 million Americans were blown through the back wall by Die Hard. Won't you join them this weekend? <laughs> One of those kind of things. It was really kind of amazing. And I remember, and, and in the blink of an eye, in the blink of an eye, Stallone, Willis, and Schwarzenegger, right at the end of the 80s, all became, like, big-time stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and and they, they tied their chariots together, you know? Now, I also have to say um, that... Uh, the first time I came to L.A., you know, I was with my good friend Joe Ballerini, and he went, hey, man, look there. There's Nakatomi Plaza. And it's a real building, and you just absolutely fall over yourself like, it's Die Hard for real. Wait a minute. Didn't that blow up? Thanks for listening to a preview of this episode of Cargo Cult. Like what you heard? Hear more from Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn exclusively on the SiriusXM app. Subscribe today at SiriusXM.com.